Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. All right. Well, the Browns have reached their first off day since the pads went on. We, we kind of had a weird schedule because we had a practice that we got to watch last Friday, and then it was a day off. And now it's been five days in a row. They were able to put the pads on Monday. Uh, they've been in pads up until today. They were not able to do pads today because they had done three days in a row. So no pads today, into the off day. Let's talk about the week that we have gotten to see. It's our first real look at this football team. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like we've talked about this a lot. The offense really has not looked very crisp. Now today there were some decent signs, especially with Odell Beckham. He caught a touchdown pass. He caught a long pass where he went up and and out jumped two defenders for the ball. Uh, We're seeing some decent stuff from the tight ends. Uh, But Mary Kay, what what are your impressions of this offense now after a week? Well, it's been inconsistent. It's been uneven. At times, it's looked a little bit ragged. And it's looked like, you know, Baker is finding his way. And I, I think he's been off on a lot of his passes, maybe sometimes putting a little bit too much heat on the ball. Uh, but I think what, what we're seeing is the first installation on grass of this offense. I mean, this is it. This did not happen back in, in May. This did not happen back in OTAs. This is the first time they are actually trying to do this live, not out, uh, you know, in some, you know, in their backyard and sending in film to the, uh, you know, to the offensive coordinator. I mean, Baker Mayfield actually has to try to complete a 55-yard pass to Odell Beckham Jr. into double coverage. That has to happen now. And uh, so, you know, I, I think it's, uh, I think that it's, a learning curve that they have to come up very, very, very quickly. This is not going on over in Baltimore. They're not trying to figure out the terminology over there. Uh, Lamar Jackson is not trying to figure out, you know, the, you know, the names in some cases of some of his teammates, you know? Uh, so I think it looks like it probably should look at this point, like it's brand new and that it's got a long way to go. Hey, you're right. It's like we're seeing what we maybe would have seen at different times during OTAs. And it's not a, an offense that I don't think anybody should have expected to hit the ground running uh, when camp started. Uh, you know, you got new coaches. You have uh, a mostly new offensive line, guys learning to, to play next to each other in a new scheme. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to take time. And I think uh, they've even talked about how they're in teaching mode. And, 
you know, I, I don't think there's anything to be, well, I guess you can, you can be kind of concerned since it's is an abbreviated uh, a camp, but I think they're probably where they should be right now. Um, now, if that's where they, uh, if that sets them back for week one, it does, but I think considering everything, they're probably where they should be. Yeah, and actually, I mean, in a lot of ways, we're seeing stuff that maybe we normally wouldn't see. Because we even during OTAs, we only get to see three practices. <laughs> and they have, they have 10 of them. And then we get to see that mini camp. You know, we get some rookie mini camp time too, but that doesn't really tell us anything about the offense or the scheme. So we're kind of seeing this team more in this phase than we normally would because we're there every single day. Uh, we're really watching the growing pains of this offense. But I do think it's a reminder and – you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, I guess, but they're playing a game three weeks from Sunday. There's a pretty good chance that, you know, all this talk about a shortened off season and, and how it's going to put some teams at a disadvantage. There's a pretty good chance that the Browns might be one of those teams at a disadvantage that all that talk of having a new coach, having a new scheme, putting in a new system. It's going to be really hard early in the season to, to get everything clicking. Yeah, it, it really will be. And think about this, you guys. I mean, it is not like we are looking out there and seeing J.C. Treader at center and Nick Chubb in the backfield where he's supposed to be. And all of a sudden you're seeing how they're, they're going to uh, divide the workload between Nick and Kareem Hunt. And then over there is Jarvis Landry and over there is Odell Beckham Jr. We have not seen that yet. We have not seen one practice where it's the full complement of the offense. On some days, uh, like yesterday, we didn't see Jarvis, Odell, Nick Chubb, or J.C. Treader in the offense. Those, that's four starters, you know. So there's been a lack of continuity uh, because of injuries and things like that. So I, I don't think that's helped matters. And, and the truth of the matter on that is, you know, it, it might not be perfect for opening day either. I mean, it, it's going to be rushed for, for J.C. Treader to try to get back for that opening game. That would only be four weeks from a knee scope. Uh, so it's pushing it a little bit. And again, as, as you guys know, there's a game the next Thursday night too. So is he going to be able to do both of those? Uh, so I, I think what we're seeing in, in addition to the growing pains that maybe we normally wouldn't see, uh, we are seeing lack of consistency in personnel. Man, we talked about the same thing last year, didn't we? <laughs> not seeing the full team out there, not uh, not seeing consistency, and uh, it's yeah, it's circumstances have kind of created a similar situation this time. And I mean, Baltimore is not the team you want to start off <laughs> with in this situation, but they do come back. And I know it's a Thursday, like you said, but they do come back against the Bengals and then Washington. So um, you know, maybe maybe that's in their favor a little bit, where you're getting two teams that maybe uh, are are kind of starting from the bottom themselves. So. That's a positive, but yeah, that Baltimore game is just looking tougher and tougher with each passing day. I guess what we're really missing is, you know, so often early in camp, you know, we get to see those, those ooh and ah plays, right? And you've got 3,000 people there and they're cheering and, uh, you know, sometimes they kind of go out of their way to give everybody a big play to cheer for or something like that. Uh, but, but we're sort of missing, there's not a lot of sizzle to this offense right now. We're not even seeing these little flash plays, even the throw to Beckham today was kind of a jump ball. And he made the catch against a couple of second team DBs. It was, it was Sheldrick Redwine at safety and uh, Donovan Olumbe, I think is how you say his name at corner. Now both those guys have consistently been second team. Olumbe's gotten some first team work, but 
you know, it was the ones versus the twos, offensive ones versus defensive twos. So that's always something to keep in mind. It just hasn't been real exciting, I guess. That, that's, probably the, that's probably the most disappointing thing. It just hasn't been exciting. And maybe that's selfish. Maybe I just want to see a little sizzle in this offense. Well, you know, I think there is sizzle coming from one particular place on a consistent basis in practice every day offensively, and that's your guy, Kareem Hunt, Dan. I mean, I think if you had to look for, uh, if you had to look for some sizzle, and part of the reason, I think, another reason why it is, it might be a little bit hard for us to, to feel the full impact of exactly what's going on. A couple of the practices have been pretty far away from us, so it, it's kind of hard to get that you know, that vibe of, you know, right in front of you, you're seeing and hearing the crunch of the pads and you're hearing the, the ball hit the hand uh, because they're so far away. I mean, even Dan, you were taking a couple of one-handed uh, videos of, of Odell Beckham Jr. And I was like, I was going to need a magnifying glass to be able to see it because it was so far away. But um, so I think that's been part of the problem where it sort of doesn't have that real close up feeling to us. Um, but once again, the offensive fireworks haven't really started yet because I think Baker is getting to know uh, Austin Hooper. The, you can see that they're finding their rhythm and timing together. Jarvis hasn't really practiced very much, and Odell has practiced some, but Baker and Odell, today was the first day that I think that I saw them really connect on, on a legit deep ball. Yeah, it's hard to find sizzle through binoculars, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Yeah, that is true. Uh, also, I mean, we should mention the tight ends. I, I think they've they've been pretty good too. Um, Harrison Bryan has kind of come on the last few days. If there is one connection that's working, it's Baker Mayfield to Austin Hooper. Uh, we, we've seen that connection working. So it seems like that part of the offense too seems to be coming together a, a little bit quicker. Uh, now, one thing we have been able to hear a lot of is the defense. They have been loud. They have been energetic since the pads went on. They have been, I mean, you can hear every single word these guys are saying out there. In some cases, as we've discussed, they've been a little over-aggressive. It's why Nick Chubb was in the concussion protocol after Mac Wilson hit him. Uh, the defense, certainly over this first week, has, has been winning camp. Uh, Mary Kay, what are your first impressions now that we've seen Joe Wood's defense, uh, at least as up close as we can get? Well, uh, you know, the first things that come to mind really quickly are the fact that it's very opportunist, opportunistic. They are grabbing the football. They're intercepting balls. Denzel Ward has already had two really good interceptions in practice. We've seen, uh, I've seen Kevin Johnson. We need to talk about that too at, at some point here, but uh, Kevin Johnson had an interception. He now has a lacerated liver and we don't know when we're going to see him again. And that's very, very unfortunate coming in the same week that Mac Wilson goes out with uh, his knee injury. Uh, but I, we've seen them, I've seen a lot of forced fumble drills and knock the ball out drills, and they are attacking. They are attacking the football. And then one of the other things that really stands out to me, and I'm sure you guys too, is P.J. Goodson and his booming voice. I mean, you don't go through one drill without hearing B.J. Goodson yelling out there. And I think he's establishing himself as a very vocal leader on this team. Yeah, they needed somebody to step into that role, and he seems to seems to really be uh, taking it by the reins. One of the things I've noticed, speaking of linebackers, is a lot of three linebacker looks, something we weren't sure if we were going to get. Um, 
uh, whether, you know, Joe Woods is going to have two linebackers and extra safety. But, uh, you know, when the first team is out there, you, you have three linebackers, which is kind of a, uh, a reaction to what the offense is doing. But still, we've seen a lot of that. Um, similarly, on the other side, I know we're focused on defense, but a lot of three receiver looks on offense, which, again, is something we haven't seen from Kevin Stefanski uh, as an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, we're not seeing them game plan for each other. So this is just kind of getting things installed, but that, that kind of stood out, but definitely seeing those three linebackers on the field is something different. I don't know how much is going to be the case uh, when they finally start playing, but um, it's happening now, which is probably a good thing because they need to get these linebackers up to speed and figure out who's playing where. So the more you can get on the field, probably the better. Yeah. Kevin Johnson is really the guy that you didn't know you couldn't afford to lose. But he comes into camp. He's a guy that the Browns really liked, obviously. They went out and they signed him. They brought him in. Uh, and, and he got off to a really great start. And now, of course, Harrison Bryant lands on him, lacerates his liver. You just don't know how long that's going to keep him out. And I know a few years ago, Mary Kay, you probably remember this, Jordan Poyer. Uh, had a, was it a lacerated kidney for Poyer? I can't remember what it was. Um, it, was, the, it, was it was a kidney. kidney. Yeah, it was on a special teams play. And he got blindside blocked. And I mean, that was it for his season. He's come back and, and had a really nice career revival in Buffalo. But, you know, you just don't know how long something like that is going to last because you just have to be really careful with stuff like that. Yeah, you really do. And I, you know, it's been such a busy day. I haven't really been able to uh, dive in and try to figure out just how long uh, something like that uh, lasts when you're trying to return to a football field. Uh, so I, I don't have a, a great handle on that yet. But I think that's a, I think that's a pre pretty significant loss for them uh, because he was having such a good camp. And I, I think he was opening some eyes. He certainly, every time we looked out there, didn't you see 28 doing something? Yeah. Well, I gave, I gave one of his interceptions to Sheldrick Redwine by accident, but he, he can have it back now. <laughs> uh, but yeah I think you know and again we've talked about this on on this podcast you need three starting cornerbacks now I mean you just have to look at it like that uh, you need those three guys and he was one of those guys so uh, depending on how long he's going to be out they really need somebody else to step up that MJ Stewart pickup is looking really good right now because if they didn't have him to step in as a nickel corner um, I'm not sure who would get that role right now so that, um, that kind of worked out to have that as a backup. Yeah, he made a couple of plays today in the first team drills. Uh, he had a, a sack and then had a nice run stop on Kareem Hunt. I, again, a name I keep mentioning is, is Donovan Alumba. I mean, this is a guy that's big. He's, he played for Dallas a little bit last year. I think he was on their practice squad. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy that has been sort of a, a fast riser. On the defensive line, we haven't really gotten to see the full – complement of guys yet. Miles Garrett was back in individual drills, uh, but we haven't really gotten to see him. Larry Ogunjobi has missed a little time now with the groin, but it's been interesting to see the guys who have stepped up behind them. Uh, originally, it was Chad Thomas who was playing in Garrett's spot. Vernon flipped over and then Chad Thomas was playing. Now, all of a sudden, Porter Gustin is there. <laughs> he's, he's getting those second team reps. Uh, we're seeing Jordan Elliott on the inside now a little bit. So, so we're getting an idea of, and Scott, I know you're going to have a depth chart going up here uh, on Friday. We're getting an idea of maybe what this depth chart looks a little, looks like here very early in camp. Yeah, I mean, it's changing a little bit. Like you said, um, for, for a little while, Olivier Vernon was in Miles Garrett's spot and Chad Thomas was on 
on the other side. And now uh, O is back in his spot and Porter Gustin has replaced Miles Garrett for the last three days. And, um, and that's, you know, that's a little disappointing for Chad Thomas because uh, if, if that's the way it's going right now, uh, it, it's, it, it's going to be hard for him to climb back up uh, to where he was before. So uh, that was a little bit of an interesting development. Now, now of course, uh, I think Miles Garrett, he returned to individual drills today for the first time. He did something. Uh, he participated in uh, those individual drills, and that means he should be back on the field soon. And that's important because, I mean, look, we're talking about all those offensive starters being out. I mean, today, you know, no Miles in team, no Larry Ogunjobi in team, no Mac Wilson in team. And, you know, if you want to look at it like Kevin Johnson's a starter, no Kevin Johnson. And it's just hard to put your scheme in when you don't have those guys. Although if you're putting together a depth chart, having all these guys out kind of helps a little bit because when you see who steps in, you kind of get an idea of, of how things are kind of tiered, you know? Porter Gustin getting those first team reps uh, was kind of revealing. And, um, you know, Jordan Elliott uh, getting work in the middle. And uh, so those things kind of help uh, kind of figure out what the coaches think of, of those players. Um, but it has changed quite a bit. You know, you've seen different guys in their early, uh, you know, uh, Adrian Claiborne, I think, was even uh, working with a little bit with the first team, uh, although it was hard to tell if it was the first team because so many people are out today. Um, but you have seen a lot of guys rotate in and get some get some work done. So that's been it's been good to see that. Yeah, and uh, you know, a little thing we we don't get to see as much after practice as we used to. We used to be able to kind of stand there and watch who's working on the jugs, who's doing this, and we don't get to see as much of that now. But I did see today as I was walking out. Adrian Claiborne was off to the side working on a, a little, I don't know what it was, one of those dummies that, that, that they work on. And he had Porter Gustin with him. So those two were, uh, were working together off to the side. So a little veteran, uh, uh, veteran young guy uh, connection there as Porter Gustin kind of moves up the depth chart a little bit. In the secondary, no big surprises, right? Uh, you know, Grant Delpit has been in and out of the first team. It seems like when he has been with the first team, at least when Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo have been available, he's mostly been the nickel guy, or he's mostly been, been kind of playing as a nickel. Uh, so we're seeing the two veterans at safety. We're seeing Delpit kind of as a nickel. You know, when, when Joseph takes a day off, Delpit is usually in there. Denzel Ward's off to a good start. Uh, I think the secondary is, is in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah, I think so. I think um, possibly the most surprising thing out of all that is that that Grant Delpit hasn't been lining up as first team safety right from the start every day. I just kind of thought that, uh, you know, that right off the bat that he would be in there as a starter with, with Carl Joseph. And, and again, as you mentioned, Carl Joseph is in and out because of a foot injury. Uh, but that's something that has been a little bit surprising. But, you know, maybe he's earning his keep, finding his way. Uh, but we, we do know that he will be on the field early and often in many different roles. But I, I think they're making him earn it a little bit. It might have happened by now if this was a full offseason. You know, the way Greedy Williams kind of worked into, into that spot opposite Ward. Um, but with everything so abbreviated, and the coaches have made a point of saying how much is on the plate for these rookies and how little time they have to get everything down. So... Um, Delpit could be a, you know, an example of that. 
Terrence Mitchell, by the way, has, has been pretty good in that secondary as well. So, uh, so he's, he just always shows up to camp and competes <laughs> somehow, some way. Yeah. You know, I was going to, I was going to say um, the, the person that we do need to hear and see a little bit more from is Greedy Williams. Uh, you know, I think he's had a little bit of a quiet start to, to this camp and this is an important year for him to, to step it up, to show that, uh, you know, that he's really worked on his technique and, and that, you know, that he is, you know, ready to really make a huge impact in, in that role. I mean, I think the fact that I look out there and see and think of 28, Kevin Johnson, more than I've thought of 26, uh, you know, I think that's kind of significant. I think Greedy needs to take it up a notch. Yeah, he's, he's going to be an important piece to this. Not, not just this year, but long term, you want him to settle in there uh, next to Denzel. Who, again, it can't be stated enough, is really off to a good start. And that's really important for this defense that Denzel Ward uh, really hits the ground running this year. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we'll kind of peek ahead to week two of training camp and what we expect. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service, where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what, though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something and I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. You know, I guess my first impressions here of this camp, and part of it is because that they're still acclimating, is we haven't seen a lot of real competitive periods. Now, we're seeing 11 on 11, and those get pretty competitive but I'm talking about some of the move the ball stuff you know where you line up or you know two minute drill things like that we haven't gotten an opportunity to see some of that I just feel like coming out of this off day it's going to be about that time like I said we're about three weeks away from game number one and Mary Kay they've got to start finding ways to simulate some of these game situations yeah they really do I mean the the season opener is hurtling at them and it's, it's really time, uh, to, you know, just to try to start putting it together, honing it, uh, maybe t tearing a few pages out and, and throwing them away and, and trying to figure out, uh, paring things down and trying to figure out exactly what is going to work. One of the things that they know that they can rely on 
is the running game. They're going to be good at that. And in the early going, if the passing game isn't exactly where they need it to be and the timing isn't what they want, uh, they can rely heavily on the run. I expect Nick Chubb to be back very soon. Uh, you know, I, I think that'll be good. I expect Miles Garrett to be back in there, and that'll give us an opportunity uh, to see one of the matchups that we really wanted to see heading in, and that was Miles Garrett versus uh, Jedrick Wills. You know, that's, you know, we need to see that. I think that's been the most unfortunate part about Miles being out is that Jed has not gotten that time to be able to go against him and get better every single day. Porter Gustin versus uh, Wills is, isn't good enough for you. <laughs> You want something better than that? I had that one. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be weird going into week one without really knowing how good the run game is. You know, we're not going to have the preseason games to kind of gauge how it's going. You know, we've seen running backs get into space a lot uh, in practices. Kareem Hunt had some big runs. And uh, I think it was even uh, Dontrell Hilliard got to the outside today and um, you know, he looked fast. So we've, we've seen that, but again, they're not tackling, and most of the time they haven't been in pads. So uh, no matter what happens in the next few weeks here, though, we're not really going to know what this running game can do until week one when they actually put it into, uh, into play against the Ravens. Um, you know, the, the thinking is that it'll, it'll be able to carry them, but uh, we're all going to find out uh, what your in accounts. And at, at some point, I would imagine we're going to see some sort of scrimmage. You know, I don't know what that would look like. I don't know if they would go go over to the stadium and, and have a scrimmage there. Uh, I think Kevin Stefanski had mentioned that, that, that doing something at the stadium could be in play. Uh, but at some point, they are going to have to find a way to sort of simulate a preseason game where they can take these guys, play however many quarters, you know, and it's going to be the ones versus the ones, the two versus the twos, however they want to do it. But they're going to have to get creative and, and come up with ways to simulate some of those preseason games. Yeah. And in, in doing that, they're also going to have to, you know, give Alex Van Pelt an opportunity to sort of call the plays in those intra squad scrimmages. And, and they might actually take a couple of those down uh, to the stadium. I think they will. And in those types of situations, that's basically going to be it. Show us what you got, Alex Van Pelt. Are you ready to call the plays for this football team? And in those situations, if he can do it, I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski will be possibly willing to let him handle that chore. I mean, he's doing it in practice. So, um, so that's one of the things that is still out there. Um, and, you know, other things are just, you know, I think just kind of putting it together. I mean, just putting the whole thing together. I think, uh, I think things will sink in for them. I really do. After the off day, they're, they're, I think they'll come back fresher. I think that uh, the light bulbs will start to come on a little bit. And all of the, uh, it's just like an avalanche of information for them right now, uh, you know, just physically and mentally. And I think next week we're going to see it settle down. And I think we're going to see, uh, especially offensively, a much better performance. Yeah, I mean, a week from now, we could be talking about, you know, how everything just has started clicking. So, you know, you get more time and, and more understanding of the offense. But I do, I like the idea of them going to the stadium and doing an orange and brown scrimmage kind of kind of deal, even if they can't have people there. Um, they, they really do need to get into situations where you're actually tackling. And, and I know they won't be scheming against anybody, but you don't really do that in the preseason anyways. Um, but going down there and kind of having – something that looks like real football <laughs> would, uh, I think, benefit them. 
Yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what they decide to do. And like I said, I, ju- I just really feel like over this next week, we're going to see a, a more competitive, look, it's gotta be weird for these players too. They're doing everything, not everything, but they're still doing a lot of things in, in virtual ways. And they're not at the facility all day, every day. It doesn't feel like a normal camp. There's no way that it can. So it's gotta be a little weird for them too, to sort of get all of this figured out. And eventually I would imagine they're gonna settle in. And this is really going to start to feel like like training camp. Okay, well, that will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, the Browns practice on Saturday and Sunday. So we will have a podcast for you on both of those days, a little bonus podcast for you off of those practices. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. So it'll arrive right on your phone as soon as they hit that publish button. And make sure you check out Football Insider, too, to get the texts from practices, player availabilities, Uh, all of that good stuff. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks.